Yesterday, Donald Trump gave his acceptance speech for the Republican nomination at the RNC. And people started calling into C-SPAN in droves, saying that they were Democrats who were quitting the party, would become Republicans and would vote for Donald Trump, mostly because the left has begun embracing a fringe extremist ideology, that they were socialists or the Democrats were supporting violent riots and crime. And now we can see the desperation coming from the Democratic Party. Even after everything we've seen with 32 people dead, even after last night, where Rand Paul got attacked by an angry mob and people leaving the RNC were being attacked and harassed. Joe Biden still cannot give a full throated condemnation of the violence. In fact, he calls for more action and other far left Democrats call for more action. But regular people have had enough. And now the backfire against Democrats for supporting the riots has gone from bad to worse. I'm going to show you that, in fact, many of these extremists out riding don't even care about these causes. It's just an excuse to destroy, to be violent. Many of these people embrace overtly racist ideologies, and we've had enough. Did you know that today is the 57th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech? In it, he said that he dreams that one day his children will be judged based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Think about what the left is proposing today with books like White Fragility or How to Be Anti-Racist, where they tell you you must discriminate. How is what the left doing playing into Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream? It isn't. These people have become insanely racist and violent, and I've had enough. Now, in this video from Benny Johnson, he says the amount of Democrats calling in a C-SPAN during the GOP convention saying they're switching parties is insane. There was one point that really stood out to me. It's at the seven minute mark. A woman says with an accent that she fled socialism and that she would lay her life on the line to defend America. And I think that's how most people in this country feel. I believe there's a lot of people who just blindly hate Donald Trump and are willing to become overtly racists because they hate him and they'll follow the trends. But I think regular people have woken up and they're pushing back against this. And now because of that, Donald Trump is going to win. But let me show you all of the reasons why I think this. And we'll start with how the media is finally starting to accept this is how Joe Biden loses. And it's not even an exaggeration. The Atlantic literally says this is how Biden loses. Nothing will harm a campaign like the wishful thinking, fearful hesitation, or sheer complacency that fails to address what voters plainly see. Don Lemon said it. The riots are beginning to show up in focus groups, in polls. And now Don Lemon is calling for Joe Biden to directly denounce the violence, but Joe Biden can't do it. Instead, all he says is, hey, (laughs) it's Donald Trump's fault. Forgetting, I suppose, that Democrats actually endorsed and supported all of this. And the funny thing is, Joe Biden still calls for more, quote unquote, action. I think we've had enough. I think 32 people being dead is enough. But let's go through the stories. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. You can donate uh, physical objects over at a P.O. box I got here. But the best thing you can do, share this video or subscribe to my second channel over at youtube.com slash TimCastNews, where I put up more segments throughout the day. I have several channels, but you can check that one out. And if you want to help this video, hit the like button, hit the notification bell, subscribe and share it if you really want to support me. Here's what The Atlantic writes after a bit of fluff. They say 
It's no use dismissing their words as partisan talking points. They are effective ones. And this is in reference to Donald Trump and calling for law and order backed up by certain facts. Trump will bang this loud, ugly drum until Election Day. He knows that Kenosha has placed Democrats in a trap. They've embraced the protests and the causes that drive them. The third night of the Democratic convention was consumed with the language and imagery of protest, as if all Americans watching were activists. Perhaps you saw it. The guy wearing the cape, singing the famous protest song, showing images of people kneeling and raising a fist. Do you know what regular Americans are starting to see when they see people raising their fist? They're seeing violence, destruction, death. 30 people had died at the point that the DNC decided to show this imagery as if people support it. Regular people are saying enough. The Atlantic goes on. On Monday, the day after Blake's shooting, Biden and his vice presidential nominee, Senator Kamala Harris, released statements expressing outrage. The next day, Biden's spokesperson released a statement opposing burning down communities and needless destruction. And on Wednesday, Biden, after speaking with the Blake family, condemned both the initial incident and the subsequent destruction. Burning down communities is not protest, he pleaded in video. It's needless violence. He said the same after George Floyd's killing. How many Americans have heard him? In the crude terms of a presidential campaign, voters know that the Democrats mean it when when he denounces police brutality, but less so when he denounces riots. To reach the public and convince it otherwise, Biden has to go beyond boilerplate and make it personal, memorable. He won't, however. Joe Biden won't do it because too many of the Democrats and their voters are extremists. That's what they've fomented. They have they have fostered this group of people desperate to fight Donald Trump. They squeezed out the last little bits of what racism could be. And I have a theory. Why is it that the left has been changing the definition of racism? I think the reason is it's the only weapon they have against Donald Trump. And now that they have Donald Trump, a president who is not particularly he's not racist, they have nothing left to do but change the definition in order to somehow maintain that political attack. Here's what Joe Biden said today. Oh, I'm sorry, this is yesterday, yesterday night. Remember, every example of violence Donald Trump decries has happened on his watch under his leadership during his presidency. And we can hear from the likes of many commentators like Cernovich and Stick Sexenhammer. Stick says, getting a little, a little nervous, are we, Joe? Considering it's happening in blue cities and states almost exclusively under Democratic leadership and your party refuses to disavow it, I'd be nervous too. Mike Cernovich says, you sound nervous. He is nervous. They're getting desperate, very desperate. The thing is, Democrats did overtly support this and they still do. I'm not exaggerating. Steve Guest says, after Senator Rand Paul was surrounded by the violent left wing mob in D.C. last night, Recent comments made by prominent Democrats are striking. Squad member Ayanna Presley called for targeting GOP officials with unrest in the streets. Joe Biden called Presley really smart back in June. As violent rioting occurred across Democrat-controlled city, Biden's eventual running mate Kamala Harris said protesters should not let up. In 2018, Nancy Pelosi says, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. And he also mentions that Maxine Waters said, if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, in a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them. Well, I think many people could argue they're not literally saying to be violent, 
What do you think needs to occur in order to, in order for the violence to persist? At a certain point with 30 people dead, you'd think the Democrats would be like, guys, no more action. OK, we've had enough. The point has been driven home. Quite the contrary, though. Absolutely not. Just a little while ago today, Joe Biden said we can't let George Floyd and Jacob Blake become just another pair of hashtags. This is a moment for action. It's long past time we reform policing, reverse systemic racism and make our communities safer. What do you mean by action? Is he saying pass laws and reform? Sure, I suppose. But I think this language is particularly dangerous right now. You have you have people going out and engaging in what you would call direct action. That's what they call it. And it's resulted in 32 people dying. At this point, I would be very careful about my language. Now, I, I, I get it, to be fair. I think Joe Biden's trying to say policy action or otherwise. But I think what this shows is that even after everything we've seen, with nine minutes of people calling in a C-SPAN saying, I've had it with the Democratic Party, Joe Biden still can't just say in very plain words, enough already. Stop. We've had too much. The reality is the ideology the Democrats have embraced and are trying to use to win is a dangerous and disgusting and extremist ideology. And that's why he keeps saying more, more, more. He knows what the Democratic Party has become. They have pushed out, excised the moderate liberals, people like me. I'm not voting for the Democrats anymore. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. They did it because they're extremists and they scare me and they scare other people. Today is the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington. And I want to show you something. I have a dream. The speech, quote, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, by the content of their character. Martin Luther King, 1963. That was a year before the Civil Rights Act was passed, and it was several years, four years before Loving v. Virginia. Mixed race people couldn't even live together in many states while Martin Luther King was giving that speech. Where are we today? I want you to reflect upon what Joe Biden represents with his calls for ending systemic racism. I want you to reflect upon the books that are reaching the top of the charts among the left. That way you can understand why I am no longer willing to support any of these Democrats. And to be fair, it's not like I voted for them in 2016 or 2012. Anyway, I felt betrayed by Barack Obama. Do you believe that the left today is working to uphold the dream of Martin Luther King Jr.? The answer is no, they're not. And I'm going to show you. Don't take my word for it. Ibrahim X. Kendi prophet of anti-racism, says the defining question is whether the discrimination is creating equity or inequity. If discrimination is creating equity, then it is anti-racist. If discrimination is creating uh, inequity, if it is creating equity, then it's anti-racist. If discrimination is creating inequity, then it is racist. The only remedy to to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. This book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, is telling the left to be racist, to judge people not on the content of their character, but on the color of their skin. That is what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the left are supporting right now, and I will have nothing to do with it. In California, as most of you know, if you follow my content, they're voting to repeal from their from the Constitution of California, the civil rights provision preventing discrimination based on race in public accommodation or, or, or contracting or jobs. 
public employment because they are avowed racists who spit on the dream of Martin Luther King Jr. And this is Amazon. How to be an anti-racist currently sits at number 13. So uh, here we go. It's the number one bestseller in human rights, the number one in civil rights, the number one in political advocacy, and number 13 altogether. You also have white fragility. White fragility written by a woman who claims to be a racist uncomfortable around minorities. The left is taking their cues from people who are telling them to be racists. I'm not uh, I'm not going to support that. I'm sorry. And that's that's why Joe Biden won't come out and just say enough. It's why he's still coming out and saying we must continue the fight and have more action. While he's not directly, in, in my opinion, calling for violence, some people might view it as such. And some people who oppose him might say it's irresponsible nonetheless. But they don't care because they are racists and they want you to be racist. And they're going around and attacking people based on race. Now, ultimately, I don't think they really care about any of these causes. I don't think so. And I'm going to show you a sad example. Widow of retired police captain killed by looters gives emotional speech at RNC conference saying she relives horror every day. This was one of the most gut-wrenching, sad things I've ever seen. Anne Dorn told the story about how Captain David Dorn died during the riots because he got up to protect his friend's store and they killed him and they live streamed him lying on the ground dying. Captain Dorn, David Dorn, he was a black man. There were no great riots for him. Nobody came out and smashed windows or did anything. There was no outrage. Because it's not really about these individuals. It's just about the opportunity to do so. And the story about a retired police captain dying doesn't do enough for anybody. I can't tell you why they they riot or when they will. But we also got very little play in national media for this man. Of course, the media does cover it. It doesn't break into the news cycle. But I think the greatest bit of evidence to prove they don't actually care about any of these causes, it's an excuse Senator Rand Paul claims cop saved his life after protesters confronted him near White House. I find this story from the Daily Beast interesting because they're trying to claim that in videos he wasn't actually attacked simply because cops defended him. But why did an angry mob surround and try to attack Rand Paul? For no reason. As it turns out, on June 11th, Rand Paul issued a press release. Senator Rand Paul introduces the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act that would ban no-knock warrants. Rand Paul has been a staunch advocate for justice for Breonna Taylor. So why would they surround him screaming at him, asking him about Breonna Taylor? Why would he need police to protect him as they lunge at him and then raise the bike? Why would Rand Paul need to ask the officer if he was okay? Why are they attacking him? He supports them, or at least to a certain degree he does, because they don't actually care about these causes. They don't. I'm sorry. They just pretend to. Over on the, uh, with this, I have another tweet for you from Jason Rance. He points out how on CNN, Kristen, Kirsten Power says there's very little rioting. This is the media's narrative. It's why they're claiming that Rand Paul wasn't really attacked. It's desperation. They're desperate to do anything to make you believe everything's fine. It's very little rioting. It's just 32 people who have died. It doesn't matter, huh? It does matter. It absolutely does. Avowed racists are marching through our streets following overtly racist ideologies, their top selling books on Amazon. They're destroying, they're killing, they're burning people's businesses to the ground. 
Why won't Joe Biden stand up and say no to each and every one of these people? Donald Trump has no problem doing it. Don Lemon wants him to do it. He calls on Joe Biden to stand at a podium addressing the violence. Joe Biden won't do it. Of course he won't. He needs the support of the extremists because the Democrats are embracing extremist ideology that, again, is contrary to the vision of Martin Luther King Jr., to the dream. After Senator Rand Paul was surrounded, Ayanna Presley, uh, what she said in the past is striking. I know I mentioned this just one more time. I'll say it. Unrest in the streets. Well, you got it. And now they're blaming the people who want to defend their homes. The McCloskeys, this young man in, in Kenosha from Antioch, only about a 20 minutes drive, who was out there with, emer- with an emergency medical kit trying to protect buildings and render aid to people who are hurt. And they tried to kill him. We now know, based on witness accounts, that the scuffle broke out between this young man, Kyle Rittenhouse, because someone tried stealing his gun from him. Someone then fired around, so he turned and fired at the individual, striking him in the head. He then ran, and people tried taking his gun from him. Someone stomped his face, he got hit in the head with a skateboard, and he defended himself. He's been arrested for it. Maybe they'll deem it to be self-defense, but at any rate, they're blaming you, the person who just wants to live in peace. I will not be supporting this. Kevin McCarthy said, hours after Nancy Pelosi labeled Republicans as domestic enemies, leftist mobs harassed, intimidated, and tried to incite violence against Republicans in the streets. Her reckless comments have consequences. She should immediately condemn these assaults against democracy. I agree. But you know what? Ultimately, it doesn't matter. We know that they've long supported the violence, and now they're going to face the brunt of it. In Michigan, according to the Trafalgar Group, Donald Trump is now leading Joe Biden by two points. Amazing. Trump was down for the longest time. He started improving in the poll in the polls. Support for Black Lives Matter was dwindling because the riots were were getting worse and worse. And still Pelosi attacks Republicans. Still Joe Biden hides in his basement. And that's what we can expect from them. It's what's been happening for quite some time. We have political polls showing basically the same thing from Trafalgar Group, and now we can see it trending. Trump's odds of winning rise 50-50 for the first time in 92 days. You know, in 2016, they said Trump had no chance of winning. Some said it was mathematically impossible, and Hillary Clinton has had a major lead in many battleground states. The polls deceived Hillary Clinton. She thought she didn't need to do the work, and she lost. Maybe Donald Trump will lose. Maybe the polls are correct this time. I still don't believe it. Maybe these these phone calls in a C-SPAN are all an anomaly, just a vocal minority. And in reality, many more people hate Donald Trump than like him. Maybe with all these NBA players and celebrities coming out screeching about Trump, regular people go and vote. Somehow, I just don't buy it. You know why? Yesterday, I read a story from the New York Times talking about a man who was busy dealing with work and covid and trying to make sure his kids had the resources they need to live productive lives. He didn't pay attention to politics at all. Then the riots came to Kenosha, and he started to realize the Democrats were doing nothing. If this man was sitting on the fence and not caring, that says a lot. It says to me that most people probably still don't. These Beltway politicos aren't paying attention to what's actually going on in middle America across this country. And they think Everyone hates Donald Trump. But when you go to small town America, when you go to these swing states, it seems like many people are just like, I don't know this. I'm shocked to find 
that this man was on the fence and just didn't know or didn't really care. Some people have to buy guns for the first time. I went the other day to a local gun store. They were out of ammo. Basically, the only thing they had was birdshot. They had, you know, some ammo, but they were mostly out. They told me, don't worry, we're going to try and get as much as we can. Come back tomorrow. I did. They had some, but they weren't willing to sell all that much because, well, people are buying it in droves. They're running out of ammo across the board. You mean to tell me that these gun shops that are being picked clean, these regular first, these regular people becoming first time buyers, you think they're supporting Joe Biden in this? No, they're scared of the riots. And over the past several months, the Democrats have just continually embraced and supported this. So either you've got people in the middle who just don't know, and the people who do have been running full speed to the gun store. I'm worried for the people who weren't paying attention. But here it is. Social unrest will strengthen Trump's hands from the Financial Times. And this sort of wraps up the point of this segment. This is how Joe Biden loses. We know they've supported it. The polls are swinging in Trump's favor, and they're embracing extremist ideology. Financial Times says, if this week marks a turning point in the 2020 presidential race, it may owe as much to the events in Wisconsin as the virtual Republican National Convention. Trailing in the polls, incumbent Donald Trump was already counting on a message about the threat of civil disorder to help him reach undecided and moderate voters. But events conspired to give him an unexpected boost. Last Sunday, with what happened with Jacob, Jacob Blake, we know what happened. The mayhem amplifies Mr. Trump's law and order message and poses an uncomfortable challenge for Democrat Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. They say many Democratic mayors, city council members and progressive protest uh, movements are calling for cuts to the police department, funding and personnel. In New York, de Blasio disbanded the city's plainclothes unit that tracked down violent criminals and illegal firearms. Shooting soared. We know it. In a new poll, 59% of voters said violent crime was very important to how they vote making it a top five issue. It wasn't in the top 10 in 2016. And a recent survey in Wisconsin, a swing state, found that support for Black Lives Matter has declined over the summer while there is rising concern about violence. Meanwhile, national gun purchases are soaring. The FBI conducted a record 3.9 million background checks for firearm purchases this uh, in June. A year earlier, there were just 2.3 million. Republican convention speakers have sought to tap these concerns by arguing that Biden and Harris should have spoken out more forcefully against civil unrest and in support of police. They have also criticized the Democrats for proposing new restrictions in firearm purchases, including a Biden proposal for a ban uh, to ban a range of guns. And there it is. You've lost me completely. Earlier this year, many of you probably know this. I straight up said to the people I live and work with, no guns in my house, period. Don't want to hear it. Then COVID happened. And I said, maybe I should start looking into this. It's a little difficult. So I kind of said, whatever. Then the riots happened. And I heard the helicopters near my home. And I heard the sirens near my home. And I filled out every bit of paperwork I could as fast as I could. And I went to that store and I said, give me what you got. I went a perfect 180 degrees in the other direction. I will not support any candidate now who is trying to enforce any of these gun control measures. I'm sorry. End of story. Just I, I remember a couple of years ago when I was saying there's probably some restrictions that make sense. Now, nah, no, I'm not going to go ahead and, and play any games asserting that these the record number of first time buyers are doing it because they're criminals. They're not. And they definitely need to get proper training. There's a real risk, but I take security. I, I, I take uh, uh, I take security seriously, but I take uh, I will take freedom over security any day. And that means 
If there may be people walking around with guns, so be it. I'll be responsible for myself and my, and my, and my security knowing that these people are trying to take our police away. They're overtly racist. And now their politicians like Biden also want to take the guns away from everybody. Now, I'll tell you what you want to talk about elite urban privilege. I'll tell you about it. I felt like I didn't need to defend myself. I felt like I didn't need weapons because the cops right around the corner. No problem. I call down. They'll take care of it. Now I can see that they're coming after the police. The police are demoralized and threatened. And I'm going to have to rely on myself. I was wrong 100%. And now I've gone the completely other direction. And I'm not going to play games with Joe Biden. If Joe Biden wants to ban a range of guns, he can go do it somewhere else. But when people are going around killing others and 32 people are now dead, you'd have to be insane to say, oh, sure, Joe Biden, come on, just take my weapon from me. People are marching through residential neighborhoods. You're nuts. Joe Biden's lost it. People right now need real leadership, and they're not going to get it from Biden. They're saying Donald Trump's only issue right now is the riots. So what? They say that's the only thing he's got, so he's going to focus on it, not COVID. Don't care. It's true. I do not believe any of these Democrats will do what needs to be done to stop the extremism. But it's not even that. I'll tell you what, right now, a lot of people I know say they're going to vote Libertarian, Green Party, their third party vote. That's fine. My bigger fear is that this far left extremism that I've referenced earlier in this segment that flies in the face of the dream of Martin Luther King Jr. It's growing. It's, it's expanding. They're, they're in our cultural institutions. They're, they're painting their slogans in our streets. They're avowed racists calling for racial discrimination. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that doesn't, that, that doesn't succeed. I know it may be cliche uh, uh, or, or a meme a bit for everybody who watches my content because I mention, you know, uh, maybe at least a couple times a month that I'm mixed race. But it's because of this that I do. Maybe a lot of, you know, maybe becomes tired, kind of like Ben Shapiro mentioning that his wife is a doctor. But I'm going to tell you, when I see this, you have to understand that it has a real impact on my family and my thoughts for the future and my, and, and my potential children. It reminds me of the stories I was told by my mom about growing up when we didn't have these protections. And now I can see these people who are attacking the dream of one of the greatest civil rights leaders we've ever seen, we've ever seen in, 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 you know, in our history in history in general, they're gaining ground. It must be stopped. It must be opposed. Right now, Donald Trump is saying, keep your weapons, protect yourself. Donald Trump has proven he's, an ad- he's a champion of the economy and can get us back on track. And he's been opposing the extremism and the violence since day one. And he is not aligned with the extreme far left racists. I'm going to do what I can to oppose the violence, supporting someone who will say enough to the riots, not these half-witted, dim-witted, you know, comments from Joe Biden. And I'm going to support somebody who overtly opposes the extreme racism of the far left. That means I'm going to be voting for Donald Trump. And I'm a liberal and I'm, I'm going to be a liberal after I do it. Of course, they'll try and argue I'm conservative or whatever, or I'm you know right wing, but it's just absolutely not true. My economic uh, views are very left wing, pretty, pretty left. I make jokes. I took a political compass test, pretty far left, falling in the libertarian socialist quadrant. I think if people actually saw me go through a list of policy proposals, they'd be like, wow, this guy's a liberal. Because it's true. But I'm, I, I oppose racism. These people who are in, encroaching on our cultural, cultural institutions are almost identical to the white supremacists of way back when. In fact, I've seen people posting memes about white riots during the civil rights era, claiming that it's their turn now. I'm like, yeah, you're the same thing. 
I oppose you. I oppose this. And we need to put an end to it and get back on track. Not Joe Biden. The Democrats are now reaping the rewards. Watch this video from Benny Johnson. Nine minutes of Democrats saying enough. It's powerful stuff. I tweeted about it. Check out my Twitter account, youtube.com slash Timcast. I'll leave it all there. Uh, I'll leave it there. I, well, I, Twitter.com slash Timcast. That's what I say, YouTube. Twitter.com slash Timcast. I don't know, whatever. Point is, check it out. My next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast News. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Last night, after Donald Trump's speech, as his supporters began to leave the event, several far leftists and Black Lives Matter extremists began attacking his supporters. One notable event, Senator Rand Paul and his wife were attacked. Now, right now, all these people on Twitter are saying he was not attacked. You can see here actually on the right, attacked is trending, 235,000 tweets. Many people are cheering, saying they wished he really did get attacked, but he did. He did. You see, one of these extremists tried attacking him, but a cop defended him holding up a bike. And then Rand Paul actually asked the cop if he was okay. Rand Paul was attacked, but protected by the police. Now, this video I find particularly egregious, not necessarily the worst, but up there. This is a video from Brandon Strzok of the Walk Away campaign. He says, I haven't endured anti-gay attack like this in probably 10 years. Black Lives Matter activists physically assault me and Mike Harlow on our way to our hotel, calling us the F word and threatening us. The one girl comes back and knocks my friend's phone out of her hand. That's right. They shout the F word at some gay men because they supported Trump. How is this acceptable to anybody? And why should we believe these are the good guys who want to fight for marginalized communities? You take a look at someone like Candace Owens, you take a look at someone like Billy Prempe or Kimberly Klasik, and you see what the left says about them because they're conservative and black. I do not believe any of these far leftists actually care about marginalized people. I believe they want to use them to manipulate traditional liberals whose moral foundations are rooted in care and fairness. That's part of Jonathan Haidt's research. Check it out. The general idea is if you want to motivate a liberal, target care and fairness. Conservatives operate on all six moral foundations, libertarians, basically just on the liberty foundation. And I've experienced that with my libertarian friends. But these traditional liberals are mostly interested in caring about people and things being fair. So these groups don't actually care about any of any of these marginalized communities, what they actually care about is power and manipulating the left to gain votes. Well, here's the story. Senator Rand Paul says he and his wife were attacked by an angry mob after Trump's speech. I want to read this, but I want to point out something very interesting. While Andy No does show that there is violent attacks going on, he also noted last night in Portland, it was kind of calm. Why is that? Now, we can only speculate as to why for the first time in about 93 days, there wasn't violent extremism sweeping through the streets. I believe it, have, it may have something to do with the feds cracking down. It also may have something to do with right wing groups coming out and saying no, because we saw a bunch of right wing groups come out and actually fight with these extremists in Portland. Maybe that's scaring them. It also could be that the, the uh, Department of Justice has begun making arrests. And now we have Governor Evers in Wisconsin agreeing with Donald Trump. I think perhaps the reason we are seeing things calm down is that the extremists realized the Democrats were starting to turn on them as polling improves for Donald Trump and and falls for Joe Biden. As the Atlantic writes articles saying things like this is how Biden loses. I can only assume what's actually happening is the far left is realizing their shield is gone. 
The Democrats were lying. The media was lying. They're still lying, but their shield is breaking and it's best to retreat now before they all get locked up forever. But first, let's talk about what happened with Rand Paul from the Hill. They say Senator Rand Paul early on Friday claimed that he was attacked by an angry mob while walking with his wife from the White House following President Trump's closing speech at the Republican National Convention. Just got attacked by an angry mob of over 100, one block away from the White House, Paul tweeted, while thanking the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department for literally saving our lives. Video uploaded to Twitter by a, by a bystander showed Paul with his wife, Kelly Paul, being, escor- being escorted by police through a crowd of protesters following the events at the White House. Some officers can be heard shouting, move back at the crowd, uh, as, uh, at the crowd of protesters as they chanted for the senator to say her name. A common refrain from demonstrators regarding the police killing of Brianna Taylor in Paul's home state of Kentucky. Taylor, a 26-year-old black emergency medical technician, was fatally shot in Louisville police, uh, by Louisville police back in March. Now, as for the Brianna Taylor thing, I, I, I empathize for sure. I don't want anyone to die. And I can understand why people are hurt by what happened. But the real issue there is procedural. And I think we need to end no-knock warrants for sure. There's a lot of complications uh, coming up, but we do need information on that. Let's read on. One clip, which has garnered more than 1.6 million views, showed an officer using a bicycle to push back protesters as Paul grabs his arm to keep the man from falling. The video does not appear to show Paul or his wife being touched by any protesters. The couple did not appear to be injured. The Hill has reached out to the senator's office for comment. Senator Ted Cruz called the incident horrific and called for the madness to stop. I agree. I like how they're sort of insinuating that because the police saved Rand Paul, he wasn't really attacked. Not necessarily the Hill, but you get where they're going. But on Twitter, they're saying nobody attacked him. They were just yelling at him. Yeah, if the cops weren't there, they would have been physically hurt. They say other attendees leaving the White House were also approached by protesters, including Rep. Uh, Brian Mast. Mast, who lost both legs and a finger while serving in Afghanistan in 2010, wrote, they thought I would be an easy target because of my prosthetics, uh, because, my, because my prosthetics move slowly. They were wrong. Bravo, sir. Protesters gathered in Lafayette Square and the Black Lives Matter Plaza outside the White House on Thursday night ahead of Trump's speech. Interestingly, I watched Donald Trump's speech last night and you could hear oh, faintly sometimes the protesters, which I found particularly interesting. Check this out. We got this tweet from Andy No. More violent behavior from BLM protesters in D.C. overnight. In this video, an older man gets knocked, gets knocked down. They, they hit him in the head. He falls down. Some people hold him up, lift him back up. Yeah, the violence was legit last night. As to why Portland is dying down, we'll get to in a second. We have this one. Rand Paul just got chased by a crowd back to his hotel after leaving the White House. So this we know. In this tweet, Benji Backer says fighting racism is worth protesting and demanding change for. This is disgusting, unhelpful, and absolutely counterproductive. Terrible. And this is where they're harassing more people. Now, Andy No noted, he said, it looks like there was no late night violent protest or riot in Portland for the first time in 93 days. Something is off. Antifa wouldn't just stop. Could it be could it be uh, could it be because they're terrified after hearing that FBI Portland is stepping up its investigations? Now, there's a report going around uh, claiming that 74 people are being charged or they're wanted something to that effect. But I could not find any official sources confirming it, just local uh, blurbs. And it wasn't listed on the DOJ website, so I won't bring it up. But I can tell you this. Maybe Andy No is right. Maybe it's specifically because the FBI has decided to actually crack down. Now, I think the FBI and the DOJ already were planning on cracking down. It just takes time. You know, I had a conversation with Ryan Long, the comedian on the Timcast IRL podcast, where he said, you know, there were like he mentioned riots in the past. And a lot of people thought it was fun to go and join them. 
And then a few months later, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got arrested. Now I'm going to, you know, now they're going to prison for several years. The idea being it's normal. You go out and you engage in this behavior. They don't show up at your house the next day and arrest you. They file the paperwork. They start the investigation. They get probable cause. They, issue, they, they get the warrant signed off by, by a judge. And a couple months later, they're at your house. Take a look at this. August 27th, Alaska man charged federally with setting, uh, setting fire at Seattle Police East Precinct. Defendant is uh, defendant in distinctive clothing, started fire with others, attempted to block the door to stop officers from exiting. Now, this was in Seattle. And as far as I can tell, that's attempted murder. You, you try to block the exits and then burn it down. I mean, the mayor, Mayor Ted Wheeler said something similar. They say a 19 year old Alaska man was charged with arson today for the fire he set Monday, August 24th at the Seattle Police Department's East Precinct, announced U.S. Attorney Brian T. Moran. Desmond David Pitts was arrested shortly after the fire following a Monday night protest march. David Pitts appeared today in U.S. District Court in Seattle. This is the fourth defendant defendant to appear in federal court after being charged with criminal conduct that went far beyond any peaceful protest, said U.S. Attorney Brian Moran. Those who go to protest but choose violence and criminal acts over protected speech will face the full weight of federal criminal sanctions. This illegal conduct must end. I love it. There's people on the left posting memes of like George Washington crossing the Delaware and saying, you know, and then there's word bubbles saying like obey authority and, and, and just, you know, just surrender. Police, you know, police are must be protected. The redcoats are OK. Things like that. Did you know this may come as a surprise to many people that in the First Amendment, it actually says peaceably. That's right. Your constitutional right to assemble ends as soon as you start hurting people. There's no constitutional right to burn down buildings. This is what they're doing. So here's what I want to show you. I want to, uh, so I, I, I've shown you, you know, look, the FBI is coming for these people. I, I made a thread based on this. This is CNN. The 26-year-old man killed in Kenosha uh, tried to protect those around him, his girlfriend says. And look at the picture they choose to show of this man. A violent extremist who was participating in riots as people burned down buildings, attacked innocent people, He's an extremist. In fact, he's a convicted felon. And as, as far as I can tell, this is what's being reported. Uh, he, he's, he, was, he was convicted of several domestic abuse uh, f- uh, felonies, my understanding. Maybe that's wrong. So fact check it because people are sharing it around. But the media isn't talking about that. The media was saying he's a hero. He pushed me out of the way like he was telling me to run off. I tried to grab him. I should have been there. But there was there was going to be no changing his mind. They say Anthony Huber was armed with nothing but a skateboard when he spotted an armed person among a crowded street in Kenosha. But he still ran toward the danger, his girlfriend said. According to the New York Times, this man was previously threatening the other young men. There's a video showing the two guys who died threatening the kid. They were attacking him. They were threatening him. And now CNN dares to frame him as the good guy. That's it for me. I made this thread. Kyle Rittenhouse is a good example of why I decided to vote for Trump. Violent extremists were destroying people's lives for months. 30 people were killed. Democrats, Democrats rejected federal assistance every time Trump offered it. Media lied about Trump deploying secret police. Kind of wish he did. Trump said he was was sending in law enforcement to Portland to protect the courthouse. That was it. He said he was going to send out ATF and FBI to do desk work in various cities for Operation Legend so they could arrest people so the police could do the field work. The media said Trump was deploying secret police. He wasn't. 
I kind of wish he did at this point. Many people have called for Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act. I'm still not entirely convinced it's the right move. We'll see how things play out after the election. Maybe he should. I don't know. Maybe he should after his own supporters got attacked. I'm not, I'm not sure. I can tell you this. Let me read more. I said, finally, some kid from a nearby town, about 20 minutes drive, decides to go up and protect businesses and offer medical support to people, even the rioters. He was threatened and shot at. That's according to the New York Times. We saw the footage. Kyle Rittenhouse was offering aid. He had a medical kit to the rioters who were getting hurt. He got pepper sprayed before anything went down. The New York Times shows there's a muzzle flash and bangs before Rittenhouse turns and fires on the uh, other, the one convicted felon who had been threatening him earlier in the day. Now the media is saying that three convicted felons, the extremists are the good guys. Several people died in the Chaz and no one has been caught. It has to stop now. That's right. Seattle Democrats allowed this to happen in, in the Chaz. People are dead and they did nothing. Democrats have proven completely unable to do anything. And we can't even get a full-throated condemnation from Biden or Kamala. Local Democrats have done nothing. And in some cases, ordered cops to stand down. Yeah, well, they've rejected Trump's federal assistance. And it's only recently that Governor Evers said, okay, federal law, law enforcement can come in. Where's Biden and Kamala? They gave us this passive garbage. They, 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 they support this is what you need to understand. I know I probably say it every single video. They literally do. They literally do. I, I tweet about it. The DA in Multnomah is even allowing people who assault officers to walk. New York City, Chicago, and Fort Worth have done similar. The nightmare experiment in allowing violent extremists to attack innocent people needs to end. And so far, only Trump has shown willingness to do something about it. DHS has targeted those they have jurisdiction over, but Trump has not intervened in local affairs. Joe Biden is a coward hiding in his basement. F if I'll vote for that. The far left is responsible for 32 deaths. The Democrats quite literally defended this and call for more. Steve Guest tweeted flashback as violent rioting continues across Democrat controlled cities. Kamala Harris comments from June are striking. Protesters should not let up. Now, of course, the left is going to come out and say she's talking about peaceful protesters, Tim. Disgusting and despicable lies. She was not. He says, does Harris believe the rioting and rampant vandalism in Kenosha should let up? I said, They kept saying protester because they are gaslighting us. These were protests for about one or two days. I praised them when they happened. But for months, it's been violence and chaos. That's right. The day following George Floyd's death, people in Portland, I believe it was around, I think it was the day after, laid down in the street with their hands behind their back. That was it. And I said, I love it. That's great. Peaceful protest. Getting these photo ops of all these people across this bridge with their hands behind their back. And I was like, that's awesome, man. I respect your peaceful protest. And then a day later became a riot. And then for 90 plus days, it was violent riots. The extremists killed 30 people. 32 people are dead now because finally someone decided to stand up for themselves. Kyle Rittenhouse. They keep saying things like, you know, a a man illegally possessing a gun crossed state lines to go and protect businesses that weren't his blah, blah, blah. Antioch is 20 minutes from Kenosha. He, He lives basically on the border. He drove only about 20 minutes. Yeah, calling it crossing state lines, but I roll my eyes at that. Now, it's true he did. There may be some ramifications for this. And he's been charged with multiple crimes, which I think they're only doing it because they're desperate to try and stop more riots, which just proves to me they cannot deal with this. Why is Kyle Rittenhouse being charged with any crime? 
We know from the New York Times that he was defending himself. He was shot at. How could they even file these, these, these charges against him? I find, it, I find it shocking to say the least. I think they're worried that if they do nothing, riots will erupt and it'll be worse than it's ever been. And that's true. But I will not ever support a legal system that says you need to be arrested and your rights taken from you because we're scared of the mob. No, you go out and shut down illegal activity. Kyle Rittenhouse may have had a legal exemption for carrying a rifle. Probably why the cops didn't care. 16 and 17 year olds are legally allowed to carry rifles and shotguns under a hunting exemption. Now he wasn't hunting. That's what the left is claiming. Oh, if he was hunting, then blah, blah, blah. So we'll see how that plays out. But this is a kid who decided enough was enough. I don't think I, I, I wish none, none of them went up there and engaged in the conflict. I think the police should be doing their job. But here's what, here's the problem I have with this. For 30, for, for, uh, uh, for months, for three months, and with 30 dead, nobody was doing anything. Donald Trump said to the governor of Wisconsin, federal assistance is available. And they said, no. The police said, we need thousands of National Guard in the streets now. And he said, no. Then Kyle Rittenhouse came out. Why? Because no one else would. Should he have, in my opinion, honestly? No, I don't think he should have. But I understand why others would think he should have. And I understand why he did. They tried to get Tucker Carlson fired for the same thing. Listen, man, this kid is about 20 minutes from Kenosha. He probably hangs out there all the time. So when this went down, he and his friends were like, we can't allow this. The cops are doing nothing. People are being beaten in the streets. A 70 year old man clubbed over the back of the head. I imagine that man's going to die now. 70 year old man was knocked out, dropped to the ground, broke his jaw. 70. I don't think he can survive that long term. Is this guy going to die? You see these videos and this kid's probably thinking someone's got to do something. I don't think he should have gone out there, but I also don't think you can charge him for everything they charged him for. I think they're just scared. The rule of law is breaking down and the Democrats have done nothing. I said, I'm sick of the media lies about peaceful protesters. I'm furious. I had to wake up to see a man crying as he lay dying. The Democrats have failed and it's time to let Trump stop this. Even Wisconsin Governor Evers agreed and finally accepted federal federal law enforcement. Trump has his problems. Trump has his problems, but he is better suited to fix the economy and deal with the extremists plaguing not just our streets, but our cultural institutions. Joe Biden is a coward hiding in his basement. I'll vote for the a-hole over the coward. Yep, that's how I feel. And I think many people feel similarly. I, 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 I wonder if seeing footage of Trump supporters getting attacked will kind of, you know, I thought about this with all the people leaving Trump's speech. If Trump can't protect them in D.C., then how is he going to protect them anywhere else? I don't think it really, I don't think that plays into it, though, because I don't blame Trump for that. That's Muriel Bowser. She's the mayor of D.C., though Trump does have some control over this. I think the bigger issue is that in all of these different places, the Democrats have allowed this to continue, but they've supported it. That's all that matters to me. Kamala Harris said the protesters should not let up laughing. This was during violent riots. It was it was at a time when people were dying and buildings were being burned down and she was laughing about it. These people cannot be allowed to win. Donald Trump from day one has been, can, first of all, condemning the, the death of these individuals, George Floyd, for instance. And, you know, he, I, I, he, he, uh, I believe Trump even offered condolences to the family of uh, Jacob Blake. Uh, granted, Jacob Blake's still alive. I'm saying he's like, you know, saying he was sorry, you know, and he, and he feels for them. Jacob Blake is just paralyzed. But Donald Trump has condemned the violence and routinely called for law and order. Donald Trump, several years ago, 
said they're tearing down Confederate statues now. But what happens next? Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and all of the pundit class, because their whole job is just to insult the president, said, no, that'll never happen. Trump's lying. Then it happened. No matter what Trump says, he's wrong. Case in point, Oliver Darcy. He tweeted, people across the country have sacrificed so much. They've shut down their businesses to slow the spread. They've postponed weddings. They've grieved in solitude and been unable to hold funerals for loved ones. What a feeling it must be for them to then see POTUS host this party. That's right. Donald Trump gave a, a, a speech outside to a crowd of several hundred and they weren't wearing masks and neither are any of the riots. Well, actually, the rioters are wearing masks. That was their intent the whole time. But at many of these Black Lives Matter protests, none of them are wearing masks. And when we talk about this, they say, well, they're outside, though. It's fine. The funny thing is the journalists at the, at, at the RNC event were not wearing masks either. We can see Bridget Fetis says this sounds a lot like what many of us were saying months ago. Bridget tweeted on June 3rd, the gaslighting that's going on is next level. Don't you dare shame people for wondering why last week protesting was killing grandma and today's acceptable. This is an absolutely valid question. Kids lost months of schooling. Businesses were destroyed. Hospitals went under. Oliver Darcy, CNN and Brian Stelter. Their whole shtick is to just say no matter what Trump does, it's bad. At a certain point, someone snaps. How could it be that I watch CNN and they told me Black Lives Matter protests were safe and okay because they were outside? Yet today, Oliver Darcy is condemning the president for hosting an event outside. Something doesn't make sense. I believe that Oliver Darcy and Brian Stelter and people like him in media are, are, are they're, they're, the, only thing they, the only thing they can go after is the people who hate Trump. Well, regular people don't just blindly hate Trump. Regular people are busy. They turn on the news, they hear something bad about Trump, and they say, wow, that's bad. But if they turn on the news more than once or twice and they see this, they're going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> How is all of it bad no matter what happens? That's the media lie. And I'm sick of it. So I think most of the people who, who, who left uh, the, the event, uh, the RNC, are, are okay. But I want you to think about that first video I showed you. And this is the one I want you to show your friends. Brandon Strzok, he was called a homophobic slur. They yelled it at him. There's tons of videos like this. How, how, are, how are they going to claim they have the moral high ground when they're attacking people like Brandon or, or uh, his friend, Mike Harlow? Because they're lying. They're manipulating. And I'm done. That's why I'm going to vote for Trump. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. My friends, as I am not in your physical presence, I can't actually make it rain on you, nor would I actually want to give you the money. But uh, I can give you the next best thing, a rolling list of 74 people who potentially face up to 20 years in prison for federal crimes related to ongoing riots. Ladies and gentlemen, the feds are dropping the hammer. They announced that since the start of the ongoing riots in Portland, they arrested about 100 or so people. 74 are facing very serious federal charges. Some of them just got citations. Some of them will be going to prison for up to 20 years. I imagine some of them will go to prison for 20 years. I'll tell you what, man, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I want to read you through. This is the, the press statement, the immediate release for uh, from the DOJ. We got some interesting information coming out of Seattle. So the other day I talked about the, the potential, uh, potentially feds raiding this van. As it turns out, it's a Seattle Antifa group that got arrested in Kenosha with riot gear and controlled substances. The cops located a group of people 
coming from the Pacific Northwest to Kenosha. I wonder whatever for. And this answers, I believe it answers the question that Andy No asked when he said, why was there no riding last night in Portland? Because they all got in their cars and were speeding as fast as possible to get to Kenosha to join in the fray. Let's let's let we'll, we'll, we will read through this, but let's get started. 74 people facing federal charges for crimes committed during Portland demonstrations. Oh, come on, DOJ demonstrations. Yeah, 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 I get it. Legal language needs to be precise. We want these people to be convicted. Well, I, I shouldn't put it that way. If they're guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, I would like them to be convicted. If any one of these people cannot be proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, then I want to see them let go. Plain and simple. U.S. Attorney, uh, US Attorney Billy J. Williams announced today, 74 people are facing federal charges for crimes committed adjacent to or under the guise of peaceful demonstrations in Portland since at least May 29, 2020. There you go. Under the guise of peaceful demonstrations. Bravo, good sirs. For more than 90 consecutive nights, Portland has been home to large demonstrations and protests against police use of force and anti-black racism. On many nights after peaceful demonstrations end, Various public and private buildings have been the target of vandalism and destruction. Local, state and federal law enforcement working to protect these buildings and ensure the safety of peaceful demonstrations, demonstrators have been subjected to threats and assaults from violent agitators while performing their duties. Quote, violent agitators have hijacked any semblance of First Amendment protected activities, engaging in violent criminal acts and destruction of public safety, said U.S. Attorney Williams. The U.S. Attorney's Office and our federal law enforcement partners are expeditiously working with local and state law enforcement to identify, arrest, and prosecute these individuals that are disrupting the rule of law in our communities and physically attacking our law enforcement officers by destroying property. Violent agitators not only delay real reform, but make our community less safe by keeping law enforcement from responding to other critical calls for service. Now, I want to point something out. There may be peaceful demonstrations, and I respect their right to do so. But you need to understand when it comes to these these riots and what you're not what, what I'm not seeing from this, the people who were down there were shielding the rioters. They call it respecting a diversity of tactics. There are people who go down there knowing full well they will engage in crimes and other people don't dress the same way, knowing they will shield those people from their crimes. That's why they all wear similar. Uh, they typically will all wear the all black. The idea is if you commit a crime, they surround you. The cops can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt it was you. This is a challenge. They did it in D.C. during Trump's inauguration. About 200 or so people all got arrested, most of them wearing all black. The government tried alleging conspiracy because the people coordinated their clothing. I I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I understand. But it's a tough prosecution. They ended up losing. And the idea is you can't just charge someone with conspiracy because you saw them wearing the same clothes. I, I, I just I got to agree with the ruling on that one. I want to see these people brought to justice. But could you imagine being out for a jog wearing a black hoodie and, and black sweatpants and then you get arrested and they're like you're being charged with conspiracy? It's tough, but you need more than that. But that's what they're trying to do. So the point is, when they say there are agitators doing this stuff, I can respect their I can respect them trying to be, you know, trying to be very legalistically clean, as it were, like make sure they get a clean prosecution. Don't muddy the waters. It needs to be stressed that these people coordinate with the peaceful demonstrations and they have multiple tiers of who's going to go to jail and who's not. They're hoping that by blending into the crowd, they will get away with it. And the people in the crowd can go, oh, it's just a peaceful protest. Keep keep that in mind. 
They say, while the FBI supports and safeguards constitutionally protected activity and civil rights, there's no permit for assault, arson or property damage. And these are not victimless crimes, said Ren Cannon, special agent in charge of the FBI in Oregon. Among the victims of violent crime are business owners, residents and individuals exercising their First Amendment rights through protest or other legitimate forms of expression. The nightly violence has to stop, said Russell Berger, U.S. Marshal for the District of Oregon. It is drowning out the voices of the many who are calling for change and pulling police resources away from their primary mission of keeping this community safe. We must all come together to find a productive way to move forward. As the nation's primary source for fire and uh, uh, fire investigative knowledge, ATF remains committed to investigating those responsible for committing arsons in our communities and holding them responsible for their illegal actions, said ATF special agent in charge, Jonathan McPherson. As a reminder, there is a mandatory minimum sentence of five years for arson. ATF takes these violent actions seriously and will work diligently to bring justice to the victims. I am loving it. You'll love to hear it. Let me just stress when it comes to these people calling for harsher penalties, not the problem. If it's illegal, it's illegal. The issue is, are we going to arrest? Are we going to prosecute? The federal government have been the only ones actually doing anything about this. This is the most important part as it pertains to Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and the Democrats in Oregon. The state police retreated because the district attorney would not prosecute. It was up to Trump and the federal government to come in and actually arrest all these. Let me me do a slow roll. All these people right here. This is, I believe, 74 people. Some of them are getting citations. Most of them are being charged assaulting officers. Check it out. They say several of the charges being used to prosecute violent agitators carry significant maximum prison sentences. For example, felony assault of a federal officer with a dangerous weapon is punishable by up to 20 years in prison. Arson is punishable by up to 20 years in prison with a mandatory minimum sentence of five years. It is important to note that while some federal charges require crimes to be committed on federal property, others do not. Violent acts committed throughout the city of Portland under the guise of peaceful protest are being evaluated by local federal prosecutors for prosecution. They are coming for the rest of you. Some might get away with it. Many won't. These cases are being investigated by the FBI, U.S. Marshal Service, the, the ATF, U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement's Homeland Security Investigations, the Federal Protective Services. They're being prosecuted by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Oregon. Yeah, I, I just want to I'm, I'm glad I'm, you love to see it, man. Like I've been saying, the, the feds have been working on this the whole time. They don't just walk up, arrest you and then throw you in court. They got to file paperwork. They got to get warrants. They got to get evidence. They file the paperwork with your name on it. They come, they arrest you. Boom. There we go. Now, all these people who thought they were going to play stupid games get to win their stupid prizes. They say indictments, complaints and informations are only accusations of a crime and defendants are presumed innocent unless and until proven guilty. Yes, 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 absolutely. I'm loving this statement. Absolutely. These people are being arrested. I'm happy because it sh- they've been arrested. They're being charged. It shows the federal government is willing to take action. So when they tell you if Donald Trump is in charge now, then why, why isn't he solving the problems? There you go, buddy. It's right there in front of your face. You think Joe Biden's going to send out these agents to go and deal with this? No, he's going to be like, I understand the rage of the peaceful protests. I'm not taking a gamble on Joe Biden. You got to be crazy. I see, I've, I'm, I'm seeing people, you see these videos, they call in a C-SPAN. No, nah, I'm not having it. Innocent until proven guilty. See, they're not fascists. That's a constitutional right. So let's, let's actually see what's up. They say to help identify actors, 
who are actively and instigating violence in the city of Portland. The FBI is accepting tips and digital media depicting violent encounters during demonstrations. If you have witnessed unlawful violent actions, we urge you to submit any information, photos or videos that could be relevant to investigations at FBI.gov. Specifically, the FBI is assisting partner agencies by asking for the public's help and identifying individuals who participated in or may have been witness to criminal activity at the following locations. They say near or inside the Multnomah County Justice Center on May 29th, near the Chase Bank branch uh, shortly before 1 a.m. on May 30th. And they say tips can be can can, <clears throat> can be submitted. Excuse me. So Andy No asked an interesting question the other night because apparently the unrest stopped. Now, I, I did mention this briefly in the beginning. Check it out. Andy said it looks like there was no late night violent protest or riot in Portland for the first time in 93 days. Something is off. Antifa wouldn't just stop. Could it be because they're terrified of hearing that FBI Portland is stepping up its investigations? Well, we have this. FBI seeking information, arson and destruction at Justice Center, Portland, Oregon, May 29th. Look at all these photos of people. Maybe they'll find them. Maybe they won't. I think this does play a role in it. But I think we now know exactly what the plan was. They are just going to Kenosha. Well, I tell you what, the the, uh, governor of Wisconsin has agreed to allow federal law enforcement to come down. This is going to be a mistake. Check this out. The, the police surround this van, smash the windows, pull people out. A cop jumps in, drives the van and parks it somewhere. This is a crazy story, but you'll love to see it. OK, these people were caught with with riot equipment. We know what they're doing. Riot kitchen. What do you think that's all about? We're just here to give people food. Shut up. Riot kitchen. You're there to go p- provide supplies to rioters. And it turns out that may be the case. Now, again, innocent until proven guilty. So they smashed the window out. You know, it's unfortunate, but we'll see how this plays out. Postmonial writes, members of Riot Kitchen 206, a no charge kitchen serving protesters, activists, movements, and those in need in Seattle, Washington, have been arrested by authorities in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after police suspected that they were preparing for criminal activity related to civil unrest. Kenosha police released a statement following the arrests that uh, acting on a tip. They had surveilled the vehicles with out-of-state plates fueling gas cans. The vehicles contained gas masks, helmets, protective vests, illegal fireworks, and suspected controlled substances. And there it is, illegal fireworks. But they're just trying to feed people. Why are you bringing illegal fireworks into Kenosha? What about all the videos we saw from the Pacific Northwest of them throwing explosives? In Seattle, a cop got seriously injured. He got burned on his hand when an explosive went up. I think it was his knee, actually. His knee got hit. Serious injury. And now you got a group from Seattle coming in with illegal fireworks. No, I'm not buying it. So the Kenosha Police Department put out this release. They say a video of the arrest taken by onlookers quickly went viral. In the video, law enforcement officers emerge from unmarked vehicles and appear to have been from multiple agencies, including the U.S. Marshal Service. Woo, that's the feds, baby. Coming in. Kenosha Police later confirmed that they led the operation. Here's the tweet. Kenosha Police Department for immediate release. They say, During the early evening hours of August 26, 2020, Kenosha Police Department received a citizen tip alerting us to several suspicious vehicles with out-of-state plates meeting in a remote lot near State Highway 50 and Green Bay Road. Acting on this information, Kenosha Police officers, uh, offices located the suspicious vehicles and took up surveillance. Kenosha Police were assisted by the U.S. Marshals. The vehicles were a black school bus, bread truck, and tan minivan. Kenosha Police confirmed the out-of-state license plates. 
Police followed the vehicles to a gas station near Washington Road and 30th Avenue. Police observed the occupants of the black bus and bread truck exit and attempt to fill multiple fuel fuel cans. Suspecting that the occupants of these vehicles were preparing for criminal activity related to civil unrest, officers attempted to make contact and investigate. The officers exited their vehicle, identified themselves, were wearing appropriate identification, and then detained the occupants of the bus and bread truck. The minivan attempted to drive away, however. Kenosha police stopped this vehicle and ultimately forced entry to the minivan and arrested the occupants. The vehicles contained various items that included helmets, gas masks, protective vests, illegal fireworks, and suspected controlled substances. The nine individuals were arrested for disorderly conduct and are pending charges, charging decisions by the Kenosha County District Attorney. First, the most important thing out of this letter, somebody tipped them off. Good. You know what that means? The people of Kenosha don't want you there bringing your riot kitchen trash into their town. Don't bring it to where I live either. You guys know the story. I set up a speaking event with with famed anti uh, extremist Daryl David, uh, Daryl Davis, who de-radicalizes members of the Klan as the keynote speaker in my neighborhood, only a few miles from my home at the local theater. And they came from out of my area down here. They were calling from across the country, threatening this business, and they canceled on us. Fortunately, the event still happened, but I'm sick and tired of people coming from outside where we live to threaten us to destroy our property, our businesses. The goal of our event, it was a business venture. That was the plan. We wanted to put on a big event. We wanted to be able to give people an opportunity to meet someone, people they want to talk about. And that, that event was threatened by Antifa. We ended up losing some, well, I, to, to varying degrees, we ended up losing money. And I think ultimately we broke even. I'm not entirely sure. The general idea, though, is that people who don't live here were trying to harm my business. I won't have it. They tell the local papers, we won't allow them to come to our neighbor. Are you kidding me? You came to my neighborhood. And that's exactly what we see here. Bravo to the people of Kenosha who called in and said, not in my town. You'll love to see it. And most importantly, they let the cops do it. And the cops did. I tell you what, man. I understand why some people would come out to Kenosha armed and say we're defending businesses because the cops weren't there. But we need the police to take care of this. We don't want we don't want armed civilians to be the ones who have to be dealing with this. And we want the police to be dealing with this. The problem is the left attacks the cops, demoralizes them, and they're breaking them down. What's happening? Exactly what you'd expect. When the cops are demoralized, when they quit, when they're demonized, when they're told by the governor, stand down, mostly, well, I don't know if he told them to stand down, but in general, you know what I mean? Well, then you get cops who don't show up and then you get regular people who show up to fill that gap. Now, the important thing here that I will stress, innocent until proven guilty, and I will point out there is one potential pitfall. Under what, for, for under what reason did they stop the van and forcibly remove people? Did they have probable cause? I'd actually imagine the answer is yes, considering Riot Kitchen was written on the side of the bus in the photo. Take, take a look at this photo they've got. You actually see a bus that says Riot Kitchen. If they saw, and, and the windows are all boarded up, that seems weird. If the police saw these vehicles, they knew they were from out of state with ongoing riots. I'm willing to bet probable cause was fairly easy. But the disorderly conduct charge is interesting. And my concern is the exclusionary rule. Will they argue that the police had no right to stop the van and smash the window and pull people out and arrest them. We will see in this viral video 
they're claiming that, you know, our friends were just trying to go there to feed people. So are you admitting that they were aiding and abetting extremists and terrorists? Be careful with your words. The incident occurred after the 7 p.m. Kenosha curfew was instituted on Wednesday. In a statement to the Kenosha News, the Kenosha Police Department said citizens need to be off the streets for their safety. Curfew will be enforced. Riot Kitchen has been a fixture at Seattle riots, including the armed takeover of the, the Chaz. According to their GoFundMe, during CHOP, we built a full functioning kitchen in Cal Anderson with an experienced kitchen staff and an array of vegan, gluten-free, vegetarian and other dishes. The page also says that Riot Kitchen was founded by Mayhem, a queer black woman who started out by wanting to help feed the protesters at the George Floyd protests in Seattle. Jennifer Shurrell, a Riot Kitchen board member, told The Washington Post the group was putting gas in the organization's bus and food truck when officers stormed them. She said it was pure craziness to suggest they were using the gas for criminal activity. It's two giant vehicles and generators, Shurrell said. We don't have guns. We don't have weapons. We're there to feed people. That's it. That's interesting. I thought they had illegal fireworks in the vehicle. Are the cops lying? Hey, maybe. You know, I, I'm not, not going to blindly trust the government, innocent until proven guilty. But some, some, somehow I, I think the co- I, somehow I believe the cops are going to come out on this one. Correct, right? Rioters have taken extreme measures to hide their identities, including those in Portland and Seattle wearing press stickers on their clothing while throwing objects at police, including glass and plastic bottles. Earlier in the day, Governor Tony Evers said that he would be increasing the presence of the Wisconsin National Guard to ensure the individuals can exercise their rights safely, protect state buildings and critical infrastructure and support first responders and firefighters. According to Kenosha police, nine individuals were arrested for disorderly conduct and are pending writing char- uh, pending charges. Riot Kitchen claims that four have been released. Rioters in Kenosha, Wisconsin have been destroying businesses in, in the area since Jacob Blake was shot by cops. This we understand. Hopefully, I, I, I say hopefully, we, we see more uh, action like this. 74 people facing charges. The DOJ is letting us know they're not sitting by and doing nothing. So let me just make this clear one last time. When they say Donald Trump can't do anything, you know, Joe Biden recently tweeted, remember all the violence happened under Donald Trump's watch. Did it really, Mr. Biden? That's true. It is. It did. Guess what? The DOJ is acting accordingly and Donald Trump is condemning it every which way he can. And I respect that. You, however, Mr. Biden, are hiding in your basement. And the Democrat governors and mayors have rejected federal assistance for too long. At this point, I have no faith in you or any one of these Democrats to actually uphold the law and protect our communities. What am I supposed to do when I say I want my friends to hear someone talk about ending white supremacy and Antifa threatens to burn down the theater? I won't stand for that. And apparently the Democrats aren't going to do anything about it. So who, what am I supposed to do? There's only one other person who said he will stand, stand up to it, and it's Donald Trump. So guess what? It's unsurprising then. Donald Trump, his odds are improving. And I, 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 I got to tell you, man, there's a C-SPAN video, nine minutes long, of Democrats calling in C-SPAN saying, I quit the party. Walk away is real. It did, it did, it, you know what? I'm going to say this. Brandon Strzok, if you hear this. I don't believe you started the walkaway movement. You discovered it. You know what I mean by that? It was something that was ready to explode. And Brandon Strzok did his research. He saw it. He saw walk away and he said, this is it. Now, I, I, I get it. He really did start the, the, the campaign, the hashtag and all that. It's brilliant. But what I'm trying to say is there was something re- ready to burst. 
And he was the one who, who set the meme forward and popped that bubble and boom, now we can hear it. I'm going to do a, a video on this over at youtube.com slash Timcast at 4 p.m. So come and hang out. Let's talk about the repercussions of this. Yesterday, I said that the riots supporting it was backfiring on the Democrats. It is worse still from bad to worse. This will be fun. I'll see you all at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is a different channel, and I will see you all then. Donald Trump won in 2016 because he had the votes to win the Electoral College. But journalists never saw it coming. They're still confused about how they missed this major upset, one of the biggest upsets in American history. They're slowly starting to realize it. They live in a bubble. Take a look at this story from the New York Times. What if Facebook is the real silent majority? Right-wing influencers are dominating the political discussion on Facebook, raising questions about whether it will translate into electoral success in November. See, you see what's happening is regular people are having real conversations. That's why they're calling into C-SPAN. If you didn't see my segment on this at four, check it out at youtube.com slash Timcast, a different channel, went up at 4 p.m. But in it, I show nine minutes on C-SPAN of people saying enough with the Democratic Party. But these journalists aren't paying attention. The other day they were like, can you believe that Trump violated the Hatch Act? Nobody cares. Maybe they should fine, but nobody does. They're worried about their cities burning down. Maybe if you paid attention to that, you'd understand why Donald Trump is winning now in many swing states. The New York Times, Kevin Roos writes, listen, liberals, if you don't think Donald Trump can get reelected in November, you need to spend more time on Facebook. Since the 2016 election, I've been obsessively tracking how partisan political content is performing on Facebook, the world's largest and arguably most influential media platform. Every morning, one of the first browser tabs I open is CrowdTangle, a handy Facebook-owned data tool that offers a bird's eye view of what's popular on the platform. I check which politicians and pundits are going viral. I geek out on trending topics. I browse the previous day's stories to see which got the most reactions, shares, and comments. Most days, the leaderboard looks roughly the same. Conservative post after conservative post, with the occasional, uh, occasional liberal interloper. If you want to see these lists for yourselves, you can check out Facebook's top 10, a Twitter account I created that shows the top 10 most interacted with links, uh, link posts by U.S. Facebook pages every day. It's no secret that despite Mr. Trump's claims of Silicon Valley censorship, Facebook has been a boon to him and his allies, and hyper-partisan Facebook pages are nothing new. In fact, my colleague John Herman wrote about them four years ago this month. Let me just tell you, let me, let me stop for a second. There is censorship against conservatives and anti-establishment uh, individuals. Just because they're still winning doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We all know what happened with hashtag learn to code. And that's probably the, the best example. But many high profile Trump supporters were purged from these platforms for BS reasons. Just because Ben Shapiro survives doesn't mean censorship doesn't exist. He writes, but what sticks out? When you, dig in the when you dig in the data, is just how dominant the Facebook right truly is. Pro-Trump political influencers have spent years building a well-oiled media machine that swarms around every major news story, creating a torrent of viral commentary that reliably drowns out both the mainstream media and the liberal opposition. The result is a kind of parallel media universe that left-of-center Facebook users may never encounter. 
but that has been stunningly effective in shaping its own version of reality. Inside the right wing Facebook bubble, President Trump's response to COVID-19 has been strong and effective. Joe Biden is barely capable of forming sentences and Black Lives Matter is a dangerous group of violent looters. All of those things are true. Isn't it amazing? They just don't get it. They really don't. You see, when you actively search for news, you will see conflicting opinion. If you come on YouTube, you may run across people like me, Jimmy Dore, Kyle Kalinske, or David Pakman. Stephen Crowder, Sticks Hexenhammer. We don't agree on everything. Some agree on, on more issues than others. Some really disagree. Like, I certainly agree with Jimmy Dore on complaining about Democrats, but not so much on economic policy. Still, I think all of these individuals are doing good things. It's interesting how many of these individuals are legit commentators and not weird, cringy grifter Twitter, uh, Twitter types. On YouTube, if you come here and you want to hear a conversation about immigration or Trump's polls, YouTube will recommend Trump's polls. It could be left. It could be right. In fact, it tends to be left. But you'll still hear opinions that are not in the mainstream. Thus, your view is going to be very, very different from those who just follow the Beltway bubble. You see, Kevin Roos is shocked by all of this because it's it's him. He's the one in the bubble. Think about it. If most people on Facebook and Facebook is basically the biggest platform believe one thing, then who's really in the bubble? The truth is there are different bubbles, some bigger than others. And the big bubble includes people who realize Trump did a fine job on COVID. That's a fact. Is it perfect? I don't know. What else could he have done? He banned travel to China. He banned travel to Europe. He, he issued national guidelines they claim don't exist. He did. You can look at him. Black Lives Matter has been going around threatening people across this country. We've had riots for months. 30 people are dead. That's on Wikipedia. You seriously, you, you, you don't know this? And Joe Biden gaffs in his own commercials. We have to watch them. Apparently, Kevin Roos hasn't actually watched Joe Biden's commercials where he gaffs. Isn't that crazy? You know what, you know what happened with that? They were like, we did 20 takes and this was the best one we could get. It's all we can do. What? You couldn't just come back later? Nah, because Biden can't form a complete sentence. These people are in a bubble talking to each other, surprised that outside the bubble, regular people are having conversations. Truly amazing. He says, Mr. Trump and his supporters are betting that despite being behind Mr. Biden in the polls, a silent majority will carry him to reelection. Donald Trump Jr., the president's oldest and most online son, made the argument himself at the RNC. And while I'm not a political analyst, I know enough about the modern media landscape to know that looking at people's revealed preferences, what they actually read, watch and click on when nobody's looking is often a better indicator of how they'll act than interviewing them at, di at diners or listening to what they're willing to say out loud to a pollster. Maybe Mr. Trump's silent majority, in other words, only seems silent because we're not looking at their Facebook feeds. We live in two different countries right now, said Eric Wilson, a Republican digital strategist and digital director of Marco Rubio's 2016 campaign. Facebook's media eco ecosystem, he said, is a huge blind spot for people who are up to speed on what's on the front page of the New York Times and what's, the what's on the leading hour of CNN. He says, to be sure, Facebook is not the only medium where right wing content thrives. Millions of Americans still get their news from cable news and talk radio, where conservative voices have dominated for years. Many pro-Trump Facebook influencers also have sizable presences on Twitter, YouTube, and other social networks. But the right's dominance of Facebook specifically is something to behold. Here are just a few data points I pulled from CrowdTangle this week. You're going to love this one, but let me just point out something. Maybe the reality is not that conservative people are thriving in these spaces, but liberals aren't paying attention. Easiest way to put it. Why is Seth MacFarlane begging conservatives to vote left? Oh, what's happening in this country? 
Did you watch the news? Why was Bill Maher wrong about the Covington kids? He's not watching the news. Now, here's the best part. He says, the conservative commentator Ben Shapiro has gotten 56 million total interactions on his Facebook page in the last 30 days. That's more than the main pages of ABC News, the NBC News, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and NPR combined. Data from a different firm, Newswhip, showed that Mr. Shapiro's news outlet, The Daily Wire, was the number one publisher on Facebook in July. Y'all ready for this, friends? Bravo to Ben Shapiro. 56 million total interactions. That is amazing. And you mean to tell me that's more than ABC, NBC, The New York Times, Washington Post, and NPR combined? Wow. My three channels, I produce about four hours of content per day. Right now has just about 90 million views in the past month and about 80 or so in the month before that and about 70 or so before the month before that. And it's been steadily increasing. Here's what I love about how the mainstream media ecosystem works. You see, recently I said I'm going to be voting for Donald Trump because the riots particularly are a huge issue. And I believe Trump is best equipped to deal with the economy. And I'm not happy that I have to do it, mind you. I would prefer I prefer not to join anyone's side. But I think, you know what? We need Trump to fight back against the extremists on the left. But let me tell you something. I'm getting more than all of these mainstream platforms. Wow. That's impressive, I guess. I'm proud of myself, I suppose. And thank you all for watching. You know, it's fascinating, though. The easiest way to understand what's broken with our media landscape is that after I said I was voting for Donald Trump, people on Wikipedia started talking about including a section on my page where I said that I'd be voting for Trump. And it was rejected. You know why? Because nobody wrote about it. Because nobody cares about who I am. Because these Beltway journalists don't know what's happening. Think about it. Not to toot my own horn. I think the credit goes to all of you who watch my content and appreciate what I do. I do work really hard about 16 hours every single day. Kind of crazy, I guess. But it's funny that they, they're shocked to discover how well Ben Shapiro is doing on Facebook. And they're not even paying attention to what's happening anywhere else. Not sure they know who Joe Rogan is because his podcast appears number one on Apple. But how are they ignoring the major trends on, on, on YouTube and, and Twitter? I mean, I'm up to 630 something thousand followers, gaining like 200,000 in the past several months. My channels have been skyrocketing. I'm extremely grateful that it's happening. It's, it's amazing. But at what point do they realize, hey, wait a minute, what about this guy? I'm glad they don't care. I'm glad they don't notice. I'm going to keep doing my thing. But isn't it funny? that you and I are sitting here, essentially, I wouldn't call it a conversation, but uh, listening to me monologue, I guess. And the mainstream media is clueless. Last year, we held a fundraiser for a company that's now uh, Scanner, SCNR. It was the largest crowd investment for uh, the company we used to date. It's my understanding, one of the biggest in history. It's, it's relatively new, but this was big. Mind you, for those of you that are still following uh, SCNR, there is still work going on behind the scenes and, and, uh, and deals uh, underway. The company is, is up and running. It's fantastic. People are out on the streets and they're doing a lot of edits and, and production. Not so much on YouTube for now. We'll see how things play out. There was no coverage of this. They don't know or care that we are taking over. The narrative is changing. That gives me hope. I believe the silent majority is real. The silent majority is actively paying attention. They're engaging and they're doing it digitally. And the establishment media is on the way out. Donald Trump right now is the first internet president, in my opinion. He speaks online. He speaks in memes. He's speaking to people where they're paying attention outside the media. He uses Twitter to communicate and they hate it. But their blockbuster video, they are going away. They are failing. They are, they are dwindling. 
And in their stead rises us, me and people like I mentioned earlier. You've got people like Sticks, Louder with Crowder. You've got Elijah Schaefer. You've got Flecka's Talks. You've got Jimmy Dore, Kyle Kalinske. You've got David Pakman. Not always right wing, not always centrist, not always left. A mixed bag. We are all doing really well and we're growing. And their channels somewhat growing in certain areas. But I believe they're false positives. The New York Times, I think, is growing because they're consolidating all of the other paper subscribers into one. But it is dwindling. Cable TV is dwindling as well. That's why it's shocking. Tucker Carlson's ratings are as high as they are. But we are winning. And this means that maybe not with Trump, but maybe 2024, we're going to get true internet politicians and the establishment will be gone. And this is good news for the left as well. Not just the populist right, but populists in general are taking over. And they're shocked to see it. I love it. They mentioned that Breitbart is doing well and that the most shared Facebook post containing the term Black Lives Matter was a video by the right wing commentators, the Hodge twins. Isn't that amazing? Terrence K. William, uh, Williams, a conservative comedian and Trump supporter, has averaged 86,500 interactions per post in August, more than twice as many as Joe Biden. Really, really interesting. Well, I'll leave it there, I suppose. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that these lunatics are avoiding and ignoring me. But I'll tell you what, there are very few channels and commentators that are hitting 90 million views per month. Per month. I'm, I'm extremely grateful that's the case. And I'm, I mean, honestly, I, I, whatever. I'm surprised people want to hear me talk that much, but I'm just going to keep working and doing my thing. And I, uh, tremendous respect and appreciation for everybody who watches, even those uh, who watches my content, even the people who don't like me really do. I, I respect that you're willing to listen to what I have to say, but I'll leave it there. It's good news, isn't it? I'll leave it there. The silent majority is real. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes, so stick around and I will see you all shortly. Bridget Fetisi tweeted, my mentions right now, as expected, are versions of, quote, I will do whatever it takes to destroy the Marxists and or fascists destroying America. My question, what is the way out when both sides feel righteous in their cause and increasingly violence? I am 100% opposed to violence. I oppose the death penalty, and I believe everybody should chill out and talk their way through things. I'm about diplomacy. I'm anti-war. I reckon sometimes, I recognize sometimes these things are impossible, and because of that, violence erupts. But I certainly did not start any violence. In fact, I've been calling it for it to, calling for it to end nonstop, just for years. But the left has certainly brought it to my doorstep. I've been threatened. I've had people uh, send veiled bomb threats to me. I've had people post pictures of family members. And it's become increasingly dangerous for me to cover news on the ground. I never asked for this. I denounced it. But they kept coming. It is not me who's advocating for violence. But I will tell you this. I will vote. I'll be voting for Donald Trump. And I'll be doing everything in my power to prevent these extremists from taking over. I think there are many people who are still holding out on this belief that Donald Trump is pure evil. I've always said he's bad. He's not that bad. He's just not my choice for president. But at least he is an American who loves this country and will stop the chaos. The far left are overt racists. They're increasingly unhinged and dangerous. Dangerous. And I believe that they're bringing violence to our to our homes. They're burning down buildings. And we need law enforcement to stop them. My response response uh, to Bridget was, she, when, when she asked, what is the way out when both sides feel you know, righteous? I said, I don't think there is one. The left has embraced identitarianism. I will never compromise with racists. I won't do it. I don't care what kind of racist they are. I won't. 
My family lived through identitarian government and got to experience victory with Loving v. Virginia and the Civil Rights Act. And this is the world I get to grow up in, created by the left. Whatever the left was back then that believed in free speech, they're gone today. Recently, Will Chamberlain posted a, a, a quote from Bill Clinton, and it was amazing. He was basically denouncing violence. And there was a, a, a woman, a black woman who was calling, talking about killing white people, and Bill Clinton denounced it. And I said, I, no, it's no wonder Bill Clinton won two terms. A reasonable approach saying, don't call for violence and don't say you want to kill or hurt people. But where are we today? The number, the number one book in civil rights on Amazon is from a guy who's advocating for racial discrimination. The, one, of, one of the top books among the left right now is White Fragility, calling for racial discrimination, written by an avowed racist, and the left is following her. You want me to compromise with those people? It's never going to happen. At least Donald Trump is pro-America and civil liberties. I don't want to go back in time, these reactionary leftists. Someone responded to me, the moron pundit, saying, nobody wants to hear the real answer to that question. But here it is. Win the war. That's scary to me. But I'm not sure they're wrong. I've been saying this for quite some time. And I mentioned this in my earlier segment on my main channel over at youtube.com slash Timcast. I went to the gun store yesterday and I said, I would like to purchase some ammo. Fine, sir. And they said, we don't got any. They had a ton of birdshot. That's about it. They, they had some stuff, 22, you know, if, if you're not familiar with guns, I'm not an expert for the most part either. But I was looking for common, you know, ammo uh, types they did not have. They told me, come back and we'll, we'll see if we get, we'll see if we get any tomorrow. I came back in, came back in. The dude told me that it was extremely difficult to get anything. There were like hundreds of cars lined up at the distributor desperate to get ammo. And they were only, only allowed limited quantities. I think the guy only had like 10 boxes of 45 ACP. So I said, I will take what you're willing to sell me. And he was not willing to sell me all that much. I'm not asking for violence. I'm denouncing it. I'm trying to make sure it stops. However, Bridget Phetasy makes a really great point. She says, if Trump wins, I reckon America will burn. If Trump loses, America will burn. She basically said, it doesn't matter. Well, she's saying she's not going to vote. But either way, she's saying you should prepare for America to burn. And that's right. Who will win when it does? I don't know. I believe if Donald Trump wins, the left will go absolutely insane. I believe if Donald Trump loses, the left will still go absolutely insane. I don't think it's going to be coming from the right. It's certainly not going to be coming from me. I'm getting away from the cities. I'm moving away from the cities. I'm just trying to be defensive. But I tell you this story about the ammo for a reason. You can tell me all day and night the conversation about civil war is dumb. It's stupid. It's not going to happen. Tim, you're being hyperbolic. Oh, exaggeration. I don't care if you think it's nonsense. I don't. I talk to my friends and they're just milling about like normal life. And I say, have you paid attention to what's been going on? And they say, oh, I don't know, man. I don't really follow the news. I'm like, that's fine. And it's those people that are like, nah, nothing's going to happen. But then the, the, the tsunami will hit and it will happen. Why? Because it already is happening. It came to Kenosha and these people in Kenosha did not think it was going to come. They weren't paying attention. They didn't care. And boom, there it is. And now their buildings are gone and they're begging for the National Guard. Kenosha is not a big town. It's just north of Chicago by only like, I think, 45 minutes or so. I'm, I'm buying ammo, but I'm not the only one. These stores are being cleaned out. What do you think that means? So say it's not going to happen. And I hope it doesn't. But people are expecting it to happen. I'm not saying they're calling for it to happen. They want it to happen. I'm saying they believe it will. 
Maybe they're all wrong. Maybe we're all the crazy ones. And I hope that's the case. Now, Bridget says she's not going to vote. She writes almost exactly a year ago, I wrote a piece titled The Battle Cry of the Politically Homeless, in which I lamented the toxic tribalism that's infecting our politics and pitting neighbor against neighbor, sister against brother, parent against child. Democracy doesn't die in the darkness. It dies when politics become team sports in full view of a bloodthirsty cheering electorate. At the end, I wondered, we will return to the dark age, ages or will, we will evolve. Is that likely? I don't know. Have we evolved that much from the Roman Colosseum barreling into 2020? It doesn't seem like it. I think Bridget's great, but I, 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 I disagree. And I think Bridget is missing the bigger picture. I have never liked Donald Trump as a candidate. I still don't like the idea of voting for him. It's just a fact, but I'm going to. And it's not because I'm on anyone's team. I don't want to be on anyone's team. I don't want to. I'm, I'm never going to be a guy wearing a MAGA beanie marching around waving a flag. It's not going to happen. But I'll tell you this. The left has embraced racism. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. They've literally voted to repeal the civil rights law from their constitution or the, the Prop 209 in California. This guy, uh, Ibrahim Kendi or whatever his name is, advocating for racial discrimination. Robin D'Angelo, an avowed racist, leading the front of the left. I tell you this, Donald Trump is not trying to remove the civil rights legislation. The Republicans are not voting to remove these things. In fact, they denounced and voted out Steve King. He's gone. He lost the primary. This idea that Donald Trump is a fascist. It's just insane. These people have lost their minds. They've been burning down buildings and killing people for three months. And now I have no choice. You know why? Donald Trump represents Americans who want stability, who want peace, who want to work, feed their kids and live a normal life. He does not represent a fringe extremist faction. Now, certainly Trump is very different from the politicians we've seen before, but he's not trying to repeal the Civil Rights Act. And if he did, okay, well, then I'm going to be really upset. But he's not. It's the left that's literally doing it right now. So I'll tell you what I have to look forward to. Maybe vote Libertarian or Green Party. Ah, sorry, I can't do it. I got friends who say they will. If Joe Biden wins, the far left has already said, quote, it is easier to overthrow Joe Biden than it is Donald Trump. Well, I'll, I'll call that a, a paraphrasing because they use more disparaging terms for what Joe Biden represents, but they believe he'll do what they want. And he will. 10% of the CDC's employees have called for racism to be a national health crisis. These people are cult members for a fringe religion that's becoming more and more dominant by the day. They are of overt racists. What they believe in is the same exact thing the white supremacists did. The only difference is the color of their skin. The idea itself is still nightmarish. And I believe the only way to push back against it is by voting for Donald Trump and hoping that he and the Republicans win. I've met with with black conservatives who are who are, who are Republican, who believe in the dream of Martin Luther King Jr., that they'll be judged on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. The left doesn't believe that. Bridget says in the last year, the globe has been ravaged by a pandemic that put the ineptitude of American institutions and leaders on display for the world. The pandemic has been mishandled from top to bottom. We had we had to turn off China for PPE to protect our health care. No, no, I'm sorry. I disagree with this. Donald Trump pointed out the problem a long time ago. Too much of our products are made by China. Supply line is the uh, uh, shortages are, are becoming ridiculous. It's impossible to buy hard goods because our medicine, our PPE was made by China. Trump said this 10 years ago. Trump was not my choice for candidate. I don't want to be on your team, but he's right. He's right. I'm sorry. It's true. So Bridget says, call me crazy, 
But I'm not optimistic about the future of America heading into 2020 election. I'm not alone. Our primarily liberal cities are falling into ruin and anarchy, places where wealth inequality exacerbates homelessness and crime. I'm no military genius, but when the alpha males start retreating, it's a pretty good indicator that conditions are deteriorating. When men like Joe Rogan and Elon Musk are taking their creativity, capital and empires away from the West Coast, it's a glaring sign that it's probably time to get the hell out of Dodge. Almost everyone I know here in L.A. is buying a gun, stocking up on water and wondering what the aftermath of the election results will look like. If Trump wins, I reckon America will burn. If he loses, America will burn. Either way, I'm preparing for America to burn. You know, I mostly agree. And again, I think Bridget's pretty great, actually. So I recommend you follow her on Twitter and check out her stuff. But I think if Donald Trump wins, America will burn, but it will survive. I believe if Donald Trump loses, America will no longer exist. Joe Biden is part of the establishment machine that sold us out to multinational corporations and sent our manufacturing to China. And Trump called it out 10 years ago. Joe Biden is bending the knee to overt and avowed racists. If Joe Biden wins, this country will crumple. If Donald Trump wins, it will burn, but it will survive. That's why I'm going to be voting for Donald Trump. And I'm not happy about having to join someone's team. I don't want to vote, but I will because I know I have to do it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. I think this might be one of the best ideas I've ever seen. Rep Jim Banks plans to strip riders of federal unemployment benefits. Why are they getting unemployment benefits in the first place if they're rioting? It should be a no brainer that they should lose them. But hey, he's figured it out. And this is it. The government right now is subsidizing people who are going out and burning things down. The only reason they're able to do it, they're not looking for jobs because they're suckling from the good old Tita, Uncle Sam. Well, it's time to cut it off. You want to go out and burn stuff down? You get caught, you lose your money. Makes enough sense to me, right? Breitbart reports. Rep. Jim Banks, Republican, Indiana, is introducing legislation this week, Breitbart News has learned, to strip convicted rioters of federal unemployment benefits and have them pay the cost of federal policing of riots. <laughs> I love it. Simple but effective financial solution, if you ask me. Banks' legislation, known as the Support Peaceful Protest Act, would ensure that rioters convicted of violence, vandalism, or looting must pay restitution to cover the cost of federal law enforcement policing of the riot for which, uh, at which they are arrested. In addition, Banks's plan would mandate that convicted rioters become ineligible for federal unemployment benefits during the <laughs> Chinese coronavirus crisis. Some are currently receiving hundreds of dollars in extra unemployment benefits. Quote, Antifa thugs are descending on suffering communities, disrupting peaceful protests and leaving violence, looting and vandalism in their wake. Banks said in a statement, They turned Milwaukee, Seattle, and Portland into war zones, and now they're moving the chaos to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Who knows which community is next? Due to enhanced federal benefits, taxpayers are giving wages to jobless rioters that are destroying our communities. We need to cut them off from their funding and make them feel the full financial consequences of their actions. Banks' legislation comes as rioting has continued in Portland, Oregon, and since broken out in Kenosha County, Wisconsin. In Kenosha, Local law enforcement asked for 750 United States National Guard uh, to help restore law and order. But Governor Tony Evers only sent about 250. Well, I think it's fair to point out he has since accepted Trump's offer for assistance. Good. On Thursday evening, Black Lives Matter and Antifa protesters stood outside the White House and accosted attendees of Trump's speech for the Republican National Convention. 
Senator Rand Paul and State Rep Vernon Jones were both harassed and surrounded by protesters. Rand Paul was actually attacked, mind you. And the only reason he wasn't hurt is because the police were standing in the way. Yes, this is obvious. Why are we why are we subsidizing the extremism? Now, I want to show you something. This is interesting. From NJ.com. New Jersey teen who held Black Lives Matter protest gets hit with $2,500 bill for police overtime. On the surface, I do not like this at all. If I want to go out and peaceably assemble and you want to send police, that's your cost, not mine. But there is an interesting point to be made here. The police are paid for by the community. So if you are going to go out and peaceably assemble protest and there is a potential for riots and the entirety of the community has to pay for the police, does it make sense then for the community to say you got to pay for the security? That's interesting. It's not a clear cut yes or no, in my opinion. I don't like the idea of, of, of telling people you can't ex- exercise your First Amendment right unless you pay a bill. But doesn't the community have a right as well if violence breaks out or if it is breaking out to have security for their community? And why should they have to pay for it when you show up and the potential for violence erupts? Interesting question, though. Ultimately, I think it's a violation of the First Amendment. We'll see how it plays out. NJ writes, when Emily Gill learned of the lack of affordable housing in Inglewood Cliffs and the fact she believes black residents are priced out of her Bergen County hometown, she felt an urgent need to enact change. The 18-year-old who graduated from Bergen County Technical School in June organized a small, peaceful Black Lives Matter protest last month, she says. Englewood Cliffs has dodged affordable housing requirements for 40 plus years, Gill told NJ Advance Media. I find that unacceptable. I'll tell you my problem. I love peaceful protest. It's an American institution. This country was founded on rejecting, you know, basically a violation of our rights and asserting our rights. Though the First Amendment does say peaceable, should she have to pay because other people are violent? I say no. That's the heckler's veto, and I won't stand for it. However, a corrupt media and Democratic Party in this country has routinely called violent riots peaceful protests. And because of the ongoing violent riots, we got to send out the cops. So what do we do now? We're between a rock and a hard place. I believe we can just stand true to the Constitution and accept freedom, more important than security, And that means regular people, if you want to accept your constitutional rights and your freedom, it means people might show up. And you know what? I lean in that direction. And you know what else I will add to this? Give me the right to bear arms. That's also in the Constitution. So if you want to go out and engage in your First Amendment right to peaceably assemble, and there's a potential for violence, I have the right to defend myself. Now, the only problem is they're passing laws to restrict Second Amendment. I was asked a really funny question by a friend not from America. They said, hey, Tim, the second, and this is a true story, I kid you not. The Second Amendment says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And I was like, yeah, but how come you can't go out and buy a gun? And me and my friends started laughing, not at the question, but at like the absurdity of people who are not American can see how broken that is. What's really funny is I didn't even hold this. Like, I wasn't a staunch 2A, you know, guy up until the riots broke out and I realized how wrong I was. Boy, did I do a 180. I went out and bought a bunch of guns. So if you want to go out and you want to protest, you want to engage in these rights, first of all, yeah, we shouldn't be paying you at the very least. And we shouldn't need police because people should be allowed to bear arms and protect themselves like the McCloskeys did. I think it's hilarious that people condemn the McCloskeys when they're on their own property. Don't bring it to my house. Who, who do you think you are? Well, let's read more of the story. Four days after the rally, Gil received a hefty, hefty bill for police overtime. 
Please promptly forward your payment to the borough in the amount of $2,499.26 for the police overtime caused by your protest. The letter provided to NJ Advanced Media states that since Gill had refused to meet with officials out of the protest, the borough was left scrambling to provide security. Your lack of notification left the borough with little time to prepare for your protest so that the police department and Department of Public Works could ensure that everyone would be safe. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. Look, I am, I am absolutely opposed to the extremism and the violence, and I'm sick and tired of peaceful protests being spouted while people burn things down. But I'm not going to sit back and, ha- and have the government tell me, I got to tell you when I want to peaceably assemble. It's interesting because I, I mentioned this years ago. I said, I think there are some reasonable restrictions on, gu- on, on, you know, on guns that we could do that everyone would be happy with. And someone said to me, for sure, Tim, I agree. And I think there should be reasonable restrictions on the First Amendment and we should restrict your right to say what you know what you want. And I thought that was a really interesting point. There are restrictions on free speech, things that are crimes, but owning a gun isn't a crime. They make certain uh, ownership a crime. The things, the, the things you can't say are things that are overtly illegal, like threatening violence and telling people how to or encouraging them to commit crimes. That's not free speech. Owning a gun is legal, but they create le- legal restrictions to make it harder for you to do so. That is creating the crime. I'm looking at this now like maybe there just needs to be some kind of straight up free speech, constitutional, uh, consti- I don't know what you call it, but not necessarily absolutism. But there should be restrictions on what you can do with your speech and restrictions on what you can do with your gun, but not restrictions on what you, uh, on, you know, uh, what you hold like. You don't own speech, but the general idea I'm trying to say is you can say whatever you want until you take a direct action. You can own whatever gun you want until you take a direct action. That is illegal. In the end, I guess the challenge here is a government that says, if you would like to speak, you must come to us for a permit is the same government that says, if you would like to own a gun, you come to us for a permit. And I see, I see problems there. If she's going to be complaining about receiving this bill, I'm, I'm sorry. I find it a bit hypocritical. If you're going to go out and say, that people who want to buy guns have to pay money, right? When I went out to get my gun permit ID and all that stuff, I had to pay for it. If, the, if, if I have to spend time and energy paying for this, why shouldn't she? No, the reality is both are wrong. You should be able to peaceably assemble. You should have a right to bear arms. And I should have a right to defend myself. It's that simple. But for now, here's what we get. There's no penalty for passing laws that violate the Constitution. In fact, the penalty falls on the individual. Why is it up to me to go out and challenge being charged money for my protest so that they can rule it unconstitutional. Why do I have to spend time and energy to do that? It, it was, they weren't allowed to do it in the first place. Why do I have to file a lawsuit to defend my Second Amendment rights, my fourth, my fifth, all of my rights? Why do I have to be, why is the burden on me, the citizen, to challenge the government when they violate the Constitution? It's a challenge. I don't know the answer, but I'll tell you this. It's wrong for them to charge money on a First Amendment ground, and it's wrong of them to charge money on a Second Amendment ground. People have a right to bear arms. People have a right to peacefully assemble. Get the government out of there. I didn't used to feel that way for the most part, but at this point, what can I say? You know, we've seen the ineffectiveness of government. We have seen the willingness of violent rioters to destroy, loot, and burn. And if I believe I have a right to protect myself, they have a right to speak up when they want. If they get violent, that's when they cross the line. Law enforcement can arrest them. If they get violent towards me, I have a right to defend myself. It really is that simple. I'll tell you this. I'll wrap it all up. The general idea is we can make arguments about what we have to do as citizens for our constitutional rights. But the last thing we should be doing is paying taxes to fund these people. Now that is wrong. 
Don't make me pay so these people can go out and riot. And I'm pretty lefty when it comes to like taxes and government policy and social programs. But I'm never going to fund a social program that allows people to burn and loot and kill people. Sorry, I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all next time.